Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, as we kick off year three of Gyro Nation Metal. During this episode, I am joined by now permanent vocalist of Nervosa, Prika Amaral. She recently made the switch from guitarist and backing vocalist to being front and center. Jailbreak was released on September 29th through Napalm Records, and Nervosa will be touring in Mexico in October and playing 70,000 tons of metal, Summer Breeze, and Bloodstock in 2024. Also, a quick shout out to Jordan of Napalm Records for helping me set up this episode. Prika, it's good to meet you, and thank you for being here to kick off year three of the podcast, as well as celebrating the release of Jailbreak. Thank you so much for the invitation and for the opportunity to come here and talk a bit of our new album. At the time of this recording, your new album, Jailbreak, will come out in just three short days. How do you feel the new members have changed the sounds of Nervosa since your last album, and in what ways did you want the music to remain consistent? Um, look, the previous album, before Jailbreak, example, uh, it was an album that I composed alone. If we are talking about uh, riffs, example, all of the riffs from Perpetual Chaos are mine, 100% mine. And also I composed some vocal lines, most part of the lyrics. So, example, the difference from Perpetual Chaos for this new album, this, this new album is more a band album. And we have like a huge contribution from Elena. She's an amazing guitarist. And Alner Rosa has two guitars, so we open more the doors to work more with melodies and twin guitars, these kind of things. And she also brings a lot of nice idea for riffs and everything we work together for the extra tour of the music. And Mikaela, it's a great drummer. She's very into uh, rock, progressive metal, you know, more modern metal, these kind of things, which bring a, a, a different uh, nice tone for the band to not be closing in a box of trash metal or death metal. Uh, of course, we respect our roots, and Rosa always will be a trash metal band, but like uh, opening a beat to not be only this. It's trash metal with something. Trash metal with a heavy metal, trash metal with death metal, trash metal with the punk, uh, with power metal, with black metal. We have uh, a lot of nice elements for this album, and I think it's the most diverse album of Nervosa and I think this is the biggest change. And this is the first time that you've ever had two guitarists in, in Nervosa's lifespan, correct? Uh, not in Nervosa life, but in a record, yes, because in the beginning, beginning of Nervosa, we had two guitars, mm. uh, but we never recorded any song. Like one month before we recorded our demo, example, the guitarist left to the band because she could not move to Sao Paulo. She was living in another estate that was really far. And we were pretty close to record that album, that album or the demo, and she didn't know like perfectly the song. So I had the, the challenge to record the demo. Like, you know, we didn't have time to go to another guitarist. It was like, mess a lot of deadlines and we decided to keep it as a trio but i was planning to have a second guitar for some years now so finally we could make this happen now and jailbreak comes with many themes so encouraging listeners to be proud of who they are and trusting themselves toxic relationships and exploring the cycle of life you've always explored real world issues that you feel are important so why have you chosen to take this approach to your music rather than exploring a story or a more narrative-based approach uh, I think, um, 
example for me, uh, my beginning in the music was always in metal and rock. And I, but I have like a, a phase in my life, like some years, that I was very into punk. And actually, one of the bands that most inspired me to write lyrics in this way was Sepultura and also Ratos de Porão, which is a punk uh, crossover band from Brazil, an important one. So, and, and it's like a, the reality that we are living, you know? We are in a very unequal country with a lot of problems. Um, it's a wonderful country, but it's very violent, you know? So, and we feel angry, angry with this, and we feel like it's in, injustice, and we really want to put it out, you know, our angriness. So, and the way to do this, the health way to do this, is, it's talking with music. I'm glad that you touched on your punk influences. My next question is going to be, whether you can touch on any other inspirations or influences outside of metal other than real world experience that might surprise your fans. Are there any other bands on the list or even non-musical influences? Yes, one of the biggest influences for me, musically talking and more, even more about lyric, it's that Kenneth's example. Jello Biafra is one of my biggest idols. I like admired him a lot. And, and it's a band like it's a punk band, but they were not closed in the box of be punk, you know. They were playing punk music, but with a lot of surf music, jazz, blues, a lot of things. It's amazing band, amazing. I love absolutely uh, that Kenneth, but also I'm a big lover of the 70s music, the 70s rock, the 70s metal. And one of my favorite bands, there is nothing about metal, it's Grand Funk and Railroad. I, sh I would say to you that my two favorite bands are Slayer and Grand Funk. So they are very important uh, for me. Also the seventh music influence in my compositions in the fact to be like not trying to give a direction for the music, you know. Mm -hmm. Like not uh, forcing anything, because one of the things that make me feel like uh, wonderful about the 70 music is the freedom that they have in that time, you know, like no short music, no big music and no style. They were nothing. They were creating everything in that time. They don't have so much... Uh, reference the references you know like there was a lot of ways open for they create the new things and this is fascinating me i know you've spoken on this before but you've obviously got a couple impressive features on the album including gary holt and lena scissorhands and i released an episode today which is wrapping up year two of gyro nation metal and i had an episode with cc mckenna of death dealer union which is lena scissorhands now second band more of a tangent not really a question You've taken over the role of vocalist permanently now, and this is something that you've touched on before. You also have experience doing backing vocals with Nervosa and on two separate singles with Metal Against Coronavirus and Yakun. Did I say that properly? Yes. Have you been preparing to take over vocals for a while now? No, actually, I always like to make some backing vocals, just low vocals. So my specialization was low vocals in the background. I like just to scream sometimes, you know, but I really love just playing guitar. 
and mm. I was not seeing myself as a singer. But when the situation came from the band, example, um, I just started to study like two months before to record the album. And for me, it was a very tense and very stressful moment for me because uh, I was thinking like, what well, the singers had the opportunity to get better in years, like to study and be prepared in years, I have to do in two months. <laughs> I was thinking like, I'm able to do that. Uh, I was just trying to not thinking so much about it, but I was giving some anxiety and like a lot of, I was worried about it. But in the end, I just need to do, man. <laughs> and I was just open my mouth and singing. In the, in the studio, example, just feeling what the music was asking to me and trying to, to give my vision from the music. And I really liked the process. But then the another anxiety came like, uh, I can do this in live shows. I can do this for one hour and a half without stop. <laughs> it's like that thing. I can do this for more than five days. Okay, but then the first show was a part of a tour, example. It was two weeks of tour, it was 10 shows, something like that. And I did, and it was very nice and very easygoing, to be honest. It's just follow the rules of your body, take care about your health, and everything will be fine. Like, uh, do the warm-ups. Uh, of course, I practice a lot. I prepared myself, but I didn't have so much time. But actually, my experience as backing vocal was half of the way. You mentioned in a previous interview that you had some classes with a friend. And then in a separate interview, you were talking about how you weren't quite sure if you had the talent to do the vocals, except you figured out through this training that you did. What were some of the most important techniques you learned that helped you progress in such a quick time? Yes. Um... I think like um, it's not about to have talent to do this because I know that I, I had a potential because since Nervosa started and I was doing some backing vocals, example, there are some songs that I sing a, a phrase alone. And mm. one of our most famous songs, Death, example, I sing two phrases alone and I do a lot of backing vocals. So. Our fans always during this life, they were coming to me like, you should sing more, I love your voice. So I had some kind of feedback about this. Uh, and I know that uh, if there is one human that is able to do, all of the humans are able to do. Just one, like some people will take more time and another people will take a shorter time, you know, but everybody can get there. The problem was the short period so I don't know if I was able to do this in such a short period. But I have the, the, the perfect teacher, that was Mayara Puertas, the singer of Torture Squad, a very important band for the Brazilian metal scene. And she teach me how to unblock uh, my vocal skills to sing not only in low vocals, but also in the mid and high frequencies. And... All of the rest, it's something that I was practicing and I was discovering from myself and singing and singing, singing the set list, singing the old songs. And it's something that I was imagining in my head, in my mind, and I was trying to reproduce this. And I'm still learning, an example, in our shows, 
I was changing a bit uh, the way to sing because I was testing stuff, you know. So every show, I'm enjoying this process. Like, okay, if I try, if I try to do higher, what's happened? And sometimes I, ah, I do higher and I say, whoa, it's nice, it's good. And then I say, okay, if I do a bit more, you know, like I'm testing stuff and I love this process. I like that you touched on the fact that basically everybody has the ability to do some things. Some may take a little bit more time than others. That seems to be also part of the theme of Jailbreak. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I really trusted like uh, everyone is able to do. Sometimes the people are not able because it's some kind of uh, locker that you put in your mind, in the way that you are thinking. Uh, but if you can... Uh, you can ask it for some help, example, you know, for some psychology, just example, uh, to help you to resolve some emotion, some kind of security, I recommend, but everyone is able to do what one human is able to do. Just trust in the process, be organized, never give up, and keep in studying, keep in doing, and trust in yourself. You need to be the first one like to trust more in yourself than anyone. Don't expect that the others will take you in the hand and say like, no, you can, let's do it, go. Of course, you have some friends some family always sometimes saying, but they are not 100% in your side. They will not like uh, kick you out from the bed every day, you know? <laughs> they can send me some messages like uh, supporting you. Yes, nice, keep going. Yeah, you, you know, something like that, but... It's something that you have to create inside of you to push yourself to do better. For me, I think the biggest thing would be stepping out of your comfort zone, regardless of what you're trying to attain and just trying to push further and further every time. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, it's just, uh, there is one song of this album that it's talking most, more or less about this. It's like, um, if you don't want to be out of the comfortable zone, it's okay. The problem it's, when you don't want to be out of the comfortable zone and you don't accept the consequence of this, you know, uh, you have to understand that your comfortable zone uh, has a price to pay. And be out of the comfortable zone also has a price to pay. <laughs> like everything. No, don't take a decision. It's a decision, you know? So this is what the song The Sacrifice is talking about. Like uh, for you gain something in your life, you have to sacrifice something. And nobody is killed about your decisions and the consequences of the, your decisions. You know, it's hard if the people don't want to do what you want. Don't blame the people. Do yourself, do better. You know, you have to choose about your life. And the consequence of this choice, it's yours. Exactly. And as you step out of your comfort zone, you become more and more familiar with those talents or with those skills and therefore incorporating those things into your comfort zone and it just gets bigger. So over time, those kind of steps become easier. Not easier because I think the things are changing all the time. Everything that we learn, probably less than 30% we repeat in your life and we use the excuse of that. You know, always has something totally different, unexpected uh, arriving in life. And I think uh, 
the best thing that we can do it's always try to see the things the, the most positive way possible uh, of course uh, when there is sadness there is sadness but uh, as I say try to understand everything that involves every process because if you think only in yourself your feelings and your wish you will be unhappy because you cannot understand absolutely anything because the world it's not only you you know and yes let's see the things in the more positive way and just keeping going sometimes there are some people that they are very frustrated you know they are failing in something and when you can do something that they can't they start to lie about you and this kind of things but another topic of this album is the song when the truth is a lie you can lie how much you want you know you can create some situation that it seems to be your truth but the truth is only one and the real truth will appear one day you know and I really believe in the time and the time and the revelation what the time can bring so yes the people will see the truth without I open my mouth I think that's the smartest way to approach it I mean if you know the truth it's not necessary to defend it at all times because that will eventually come out and the people who do lie will be exposed or at least should be yeah yeah and when you plant uh, angriness you receive the same not exactly for, from me example uh, but there always when you attack the someone there is always two sides the people that could defend who is being attacked because for some for, for some people that people that person is a victim from the others vision this person is a son of a bitch example you know depends the, there is always two sides there always people to support absolutely everyone in every single shit that they are doing <laughs> it's life it's politic it's like that now you mentioned victimhood and in a previous interview i noticed that was one of the topics as well to me victimhood is more of a mindset like it it seems like it doesn't really matter what happens to you it depends on how you approach the reaction i guess and how you approach things moving forward I don't really know where I was going with that. Just maybe, maybe like a statement about victimhood. And it seems to be something that a lot of people get caught up in rather than responding to a situation or toxic people in their lives. They just choose to make it harder on themselves by believing that they're a victim and that there's nothing they can do. Look, there is nothing worse than lie for yourself. You know, you can lie for the others. You can create a new reality. But if inside of you, you know that this is not true you cannot be happy this will follow you till the end you know and you will feel guilty and you cannot feel guilty now for example when you are revenging someone when you are beating this kind of things uh, it takes sometimes years but you will feel regret and there is one of the worst feeling it's feel regret you know so be with the the conscience clean you know like uh, as i say the people try to harm us sometimes uh if you just like for me it's like that this doesn't belong to me i didn't create this feeling 
I don't have this feeling. I have no reason to take this from me. So just say like, so sorry about what you're feeling, but I have to move on. Bye. It's like that, you know. We cry. We cry together with our friends who are not our friends and try to harm us. I live behind and for me they die. And I close, I nail the coffin. <laughs> the last song of the album. I nail the coffin. It's like this. Well, with people like that, you don't need them in your life and it's easier just to make sure they don't take up that real estate in your head. No, when they're gone, it's like a absolutely peace. It's a breath of fresh air the first time you do that. And that's something that I've had to do over time with some specific people. And it just seems like it's a weight lifted off your shoulders and you can go forward without having, without having that attachment and those feelings of whether it be regrets or sadness, or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, today I believe a, a very dangerous moment with the social media mm -hmm. because be a victim example, uh, it's something really serious, you know? And there is a lot of people that use this, this um, state, you know, like uh, be a victim example, to try to gain attention, to try to engage with the people, all these kind of things. And it's very dangerous because the victim of many kind of abuses, they need support, they need the real support, you know. And now everything is a bit blurry and the people are getting confusion about like um, creating a fake drama for attention or it's a real pain. We have a lot of actresses and a lot of actors in social medias. It's, the future is very scary to be honest. It seems that people just use victimhood on social media in a way to use uh, to gain clout without actually doing anything. They can make other people seem worse and by default make it, elevating them up a little bit further in status just by accusing somebody of something or just by claiming victimhood in, in different aspects. It's strange. Yes, it's very sick because I see, example, many couples use their son or their daughter, you know, to promote the son and daughter. Uh, to have attention, to have a lot of followers, to have some sponsor, to gain some money, but they are not thinking the kid. They are not preserving their image, their childhood, you know, like anything. Mm -hmm. It's a very bizarre. <laughs> they are losing the sense, you know, like of the things. And there is a lot of videos, example, in social medias that they are created to make you feel emotions, you know. Like, uh, oh, this video I will make for the people cry. And then everybody start to share. Oh, it's make me feel so sad. It's beautiful, you know, these kind of things. Like, the serious reason of the things are being destroyed. And the people are really losing the sense of the things. And uh, social media, actually, it's an amazing tool. It's a, a, amazing the possibility that you have to, to promote the main things, to, to work with this. The way that connected people, it's wonderful. But if it's used for the wrong way and the wrong things, it's bizarre and horrible.
part of the danger with social media is that people don't understand that a lot of stuff posted on there is either fake. For example, people traveling constantly, um, taking pictures in very exotic areas. They don't realize what's going on behind the scenes and they compare it to their own lives being like, why can't I be this happy? Why can't I travel? It seems to be like a place where reality goes to die. But then, like you said, it could also be a very valuable tool when it comes to music promotion, arts, just being noticed across the globe. Exactly. Jumping back into music quickly, and you already touched on the song When the Truth is a Lie in this interview, but in a previous interview, you teased Gary Holt's solo, saying that he was one of your biggest influences. You've already touched on how you first got into hard music, but what drew you into metal in the first place? Uh, to have the participation of Gary Holt and Lena hand in this album was really, really special. You know? And I remember when I start to be interesting to play guitar, and the song Bonded by Blood example, I mm -hmm. say, whoa, look at this, the beaking, I want to do that. So I think one of my best skills in guitar, it's my right hand with the beaking because of Gary Holt, because of Metallica, you know, this band. It has a double picking that I love. I'm addicted about these pickings. And uh, yeah, I'm, I was interested in music and heavy metal music because I was feeling a lot of angry inside of me. And I never was an, an aggressive person, you know, like um, I was uh, feeling a lot of anger but not acting with angry. So the way that I found to put everything out, it was with rock and metal, and I said, yeah, it's nice, it's a cold, that I, I don't know how to, to describe, you know. Who are some of the bands on your current heavy rotation? The what, sorry? Uh, who, who are some of the bands that you're currently listening to quite a bit? Uh, right now, I'm listening some death metal, like uh, Misery Index, mm -hmm. uh, Jungle Rot, I was listening a lot of uh, Lamb of God. It's a band that um, existed for so many years. Uh, I listened some stuff, but that never was um, so interesting to looking for more than music. But recently, I listened to one of their albums. It's amazing. And then I, <laughs> I'm addicted of this band. Now I'm listening a lot. And also, I, I, I listen all of the new albums of all the trash metal bands are releasing, like a Metallic example, and Creator, the new album of Creator, the new album of Destruction, the new album of Testament, you know, all of these bands, it's in my heart. Every time they release something, I'm there, listen, 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 listen to the next. You've spoken in the past about life in Brazil, the crime, the violence, the beauty, religion, and the disparity between the rich and the poor. So how do you feel that your experience in, in Brazil has shaped your approach to metal or music in general? Of course, of course. Uh, mainly in the last 10 years from now, Brazil became one of the most violent places in the world. You know, I was victim of many assaults with a gun in my face, in my back, this kind of things. And yes, and I was living in the third biggest city in the world, which is Sao Paulo with the 23 million people in one city. So it was a lot of stress, a lot of things going on. So uh, everything is very good for metal, man. <laughs> it's pure anger. Prika, I know that I have to be respectful of your time. So I want to wrap this up by saying thank you so much for joining me for the kickoff episode of year three of Gyro Nation Metal. And 
as we record this, like I said earlier, Jailbreak will be out in three short days. So that'll just be, I believe, four days prior to the release of this episode. You guys have a short tour planned in Mexico and you're already scheduled for Bloodstock next year as well as the Summer Breeze Festival. Do you have any other tour plans for 2023? Yes, we have uh, one show coming from US in 70,000 Tons of Metal. And right after, we are planning to tour in US too. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Thank you for this opportunity again. And it was a very nice interview. And I wish you the best with your podcast and everything. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.